Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Sin, that's WrestleLife Matt, and welcome to WrestleLife Radio. I'm here with my brother Micah. Kyle is not here with us tonight because he is playing soccer. That's that's what we tell you at least. See, first I knocked off Chris and took his spot on the podcast. <laughs> but now I've taken out Kyle. Before long, it's going to be the Micah show. Oh Good gosh. Luck to you all. Yeah, it'll be uh, Micah Life Radio. And that that likes to be very entertaining. Are you ready for an hour and a half talk about guns and cars? Because that's what you're going to get. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're actually a pretty well-rounded person compared to most people. I like a lot of things. I like geeky things. I like I like manly things. You know? You're a musician? Musician. I like music. You know, so I like girly things too. So, you know. Like music? Like music, yes. Okay. So I think that once we get enough listens, that uh, maybe we'll do like a Patreon Okay, we got a lot of growing to do. I'm not starting. I'm not asking you guys for money. Before we'll just move on from there. But, but please give us your money. Yeah, but you will. Maybe we'll do a Patreon and like at a certain dollar amount, maybe we can record like a cover of like Judas by Fozzie. That'd be great. We should make that our theme song. I should learn on guitar, and every episode should open up with Judas. You can absolutely do it, but it has to be a little different because it would have to be like a parody. Because we couldn't actually do... A, I don't think legally you can do a cover on the beginning. I don't think anyone would listen to it and think it's not a parody. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, since Kyle's not here, I get to have the joy of covering all of WWE for you this week. And I am so, so excited. Can, yeah. you, can you hear it in my voice? Can you hear it? You sound like Britt Baker. Ah! What, ah. Spoiler alert for the AEW review. <laughs> We're going to hop right on into SmackDown because it was terrible, and uh, we're going to get through it. And then we're going to go through Raw and AEW. Both were pretty solid. So let's go through SmackDown, and I'm going to go through it quickly because I did not have fun watching this show. And, and SmackDown to me, and it's difficult because I love wrestling, okay? And I grew up a WCW fan, and then I've watched WWE for a while, on and off, and it's just difficult, man. It's just difficult, and I've said it before, but I'm, I'm being serious. I probably wouldn't watch it if we weren't reviewing this show. Now, to be fair, these last three or four weeks, Raw's been pretty solid other than the weird Lana Lashley stuff. So I don't, I don't want to give it too hard a time and say WWE is so unwatchable because it's not. They have good, you know, they have good things happening even on SmackDown, which I thought was kind of mediocre. But I just... When my wife and I sit down to watch AEW, and Mikey, you tell me if you disagree. When we sit down to watch AEW for two hours, that is appointment viewing. We sit down, we look forward to Wednesday, and we sit down and we don't leave our couches other than to grab a snack during a picture-in-picture or something. And on Fight TV, whenever like they're showing the boat or you know, Hangman Page is walking through the crowd, whatever. But we, we're glued to it and we enjoy it. And for me to get through SmackDown this week, I had to turn on Hearthstone, which is a card-based video game that I play, just so I could sit there and watch it because I was was so bored. And that's happened the last couple weeks on SmackDown. Raw's been pretty good, but SmackDown's almost not watchable. Yeah, definitely AEW is an event. You know, it's something you want to put on the big TV. You know, you want to make sure all the sound's set up. You got your popcorn, your snacks. But uh, Raw and SmackDown for me... Uh, it's something I I may or may not watch every week. Even doing this show, I may or may not watch it. And if I do watch it, I'm not going to dedicate 
three hours for raw and two hours. For, that's five hours a week. I'm not going to dedicate that solely to it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to also be playing video games or, you know, clicking around on Facebook or something at least. Even playing games on my phone to, to pass the time. Right. Like, when is this show over? Just get Rey Mysterio on my screen. That's all I want. Exactly. And I feel like with AEW and NXT as well, which we unfortunately don't review anymore, you know, you sit there and the show just flies by because you're having so much fun. And SmackDown's not like that because it's not good. And Raw's not like that because it's so long. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. And even I watch Raw and Hulu, which is an hour and a half cut. And uh, even then, it, it, it's got its, I mean, it's got its Lana and Rusev moments. I, and man, I know we're, we're getting into Raw, but there's some moments this week that were worse than Lana and Rusev, but we'll get into that. Yep, we'll get into that. Let's get through SmackDown first. The SmackDown open, opened with fire. Boom, smash, pow. And Kane has returned. And no one was shocked because they announced it before the show. Now, understand that they want ratings, and they're struggling with ratings, and they want to say, okay, here's this legend that everyone loves. Let's let everyone know that he's going to be on there to hopefully get some viewers. The problem with doing that is you take away the surprise element to the show. If the show would have opened with Kane, I would have been like, wow, Kane's back. That's cool, if I didn't know about it. But since I know about it, I'm like, oh, look, it's Kane. And it's, it was drastically different from when Big Show returned. And I'm like, hey, I haven't seen Big Show in two years. I had no idea he was going to be here. That's really cool. Well, when Kane returned, I'm like, meh. I just, I, it was just disappointing to me. And, but, and uh, if they're going to announce why he's there, or they're going to announce that he's there, announce why he's there. Yeah. I watched the entire segment. I still don't know why he was there. <laughs> we came back. It must have been either like a brand new mask or something because his sweat was pouring down his face. And red was coming from the mask. It was bleeding from the mask. Yeah. And it also came like, it looked like it was coming out of his mouth. So I just assumed, okay, well, that means the fiend is going to stick his hand in his mouth and his, you know, he's going to pretend like he's bleeding. Like maybe he accidentally bit the capsule or something. But no, it was just from his mask and it had fell down his face past his mouth. And it was weird and disgusting looking. Yeah, he's got to use that tearless eye eyeshadow next to Yeah, him. whatever in the world. It was nasty. So... He takes the mic, he puts over the Royal Rumble, he says that he has the most eliminations of all time, and uh, one, at one point he had the most in the single Rumble, and not anymore, I believe that belongs to Roman Reigns, if I recall. And so, yeah, as he's putting over the Royal Rumble, setting how much he likes it, and it's his favorite night of the year, uh, Firefly Funhouse comes up, and Bray Wyatt's there. And he says, Kane, it's not nice to brag about other people's bad times, you big red bully. <laughs> and so he tells everyone rambling rabbits alive. He says that uh, winning the Royal Rumble is a great idea, especially if it's to challenge for his belt. And he holds up the big blue belt, the uh, the blue fruit roll-up or the Cool Ranch Doritos belt. <laughs> and he says that uh, he'll never forget Kane. And they kind of show some flashbacks of when Bray Wyatt and Kane fought in that Inferno match which was awful, and then Bray goes, neither will he forget. Talking about The Fiend. The lights start going out in the arena. When they come back on, Kane is not in the ring. He is like standing in front of the ring, where the, like in the entrance ramp area, and he's got his back to the ring, and The Fiend comes out from under the ring. 
And so the Kane grabs his microphone after the after you know the spooky music turns off, and Kane says, "What took you so long?" And then Dan O'Brien comes out of nowhere and beats the crap out of the fiend. He knees him in the head. He's punching him, and the fiend retreats, which is not something that he's done before. He goes back down his hole, and then this you know smoke comes out from the hole. Daniel Bryan is like grabbing down to the hole and pulls up a lock of the fiend's hair. Mm. Daniel Bryan is standing tall. He hits the yes chance. Kane does it with him. We go to commercial. Yeah, I uh, I was really hoping they wouldn't make Kane look like a giant dweeb and just stand there staring at the entrance ramp while the fiend snuck up on him. Because how yeah. many times has Kane done that to people? That's exactly. his thing. Yep. I mean, between Kane and the Undertaker and now the Fiend, that's their thing. And the fact that they actually had Kane be a little bit smart and know what he's doing, I really like that. And I, uh, I like that he's teaming with Daniel Bryan for it. Um, I guess you could say that's why he was there. He was there to draw the Fiend out, but yeah, I still don't think it was very well explained. But I, it was, it was, it was okay. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, I think it was better than what I was expecting, so I was okay with it. And then when we come back from commercial, we see Daniel Bryan. Kayla's interviewing him, and Daniel says, "You know what? People think the Fiend's good at playing mind games, and he gets the best of people. But let's be let's be honest here. What he's really best at is running away." He Ooh. says, "How how can I beat someone who disappears every time they're in trouble? Well, I guess I'm gonna have to tie him to me, and we're gonna have a strap match. For those of you that don't know what a strap match is." It's something that was used a long time ago where you take a cord and tie it to one man's arm and you take the other end of the cord and tie it to the other man's arm so they can't run away from each other. I'm not, I don't know. Like, I don't want to crap all over this. It just doesn't sound good, does it? It doesn't sound good. And in kayfabe, it's literally a demon and you're the dumbest man in the world if you strap a demon <laughs> to your arm and fight him in a wrestling ring. What right. are you doing, Daniel Bryan? <laughs> like, oh. oh man, people people <laughs> say the Miz is stupid for some of his stuff he did with with the Fiend. Daniel Bryan wants to strap himself to a demon and roll around <laughs> a wrestling ring and then pin him for the win. It's yep. it's it's not gonna. I don't I don't see how they can do this effectively. I'll say that. I will see. Daniel Bryan after he attacked the fiend kind of showed that you know he has no fear. And as yes, chant Daniel Bryan. He's a, he's a huge star. He's a huge star anyway. So we'll see how it goes. They have Big E versus John Morrison as our first match of the night, and it was good. I was expecting it to be real good. Biggie is terrific. John Morrison is terrific. And I feel like it almost seemed like John Morrison was rusty, even though he's not, because he's been wrestling, just not in the WWE. So, I don't know. The Starship pain looked awful. I just... Some of it was good, some of it wasn't. I'm not going to go into the whole match, but it's worth a watch, I guess. If you're going to go watch SmackDown, this, this will be worth you know a couple minutes of your time. But the ending was um, Kofi Kingston went to attack The Miz, and then he got hit and knocked out. Big E came to check on him, and The Miz was kind of uh, taunting him. And then 
John Morrison was able to to attack Big E, roll him in the ring, hit him with Starship Pain, and he won his return match. Yay! So they announced that Robert Rude, Bobbert, excuse me, Bobbert Rude is wrestling Roman Reigns tonight, and the winner will choose the stipulation for their mat for uh, Roman Reigns' match with Baron Corbin at Royal Rumble. So the cheesiest. I mean, just the cheesiest segment I think I might have ever seen comes up next. And the Usos are back there with Roman Reigns. They cut a little short promo. It was fine. And then the Usos look in the camera. And I believe it was Jimmy, forgive me if I'm wrong, said, welcome. And the Usos walk off. And then Roman Reigns stares at the camera and it zooms in on him. And he says, to the Uso penitentiary. I'm like, all right, whatever. It, it was just so bad. Yeah. It was just bad. But we got the Usos versus the Rev- Revival next. That match was awesome. The Usos won. It was great. Go watch it. Solid stuff. After the match, the Usos stand tall. Their music hits. The announcers say the Revival sucks. Then they're sliding down the ladder. And then we come back from break, and we see the Revival walking backstage. Kayla stops them and says, are you frustrated? And then Scott says, look. If this company won't make a change, then the Revival will have to make a change. They don't believe in us. They don't believe in tag teams. They don't believe in the tag team titles. It's time to make a change. And so, then... So, before we move on... Yeah. I, what, what's going on with the Revival, really? Because everyone's saying they're going to AEW. They're, they're sick of WWE and the way they're booking them. And they've been they've been preaching that on social media and all this yep. other stuff, and even on the show. And and you have them come out tonight and basically reiterate everything they've been saying on social media on the show, which we know Vince McMahon is a micromanager. He's not right. everything on eight on on WWE is scripted. You don't have people cutting their own promos, and if you do, they're not going to be around much longer. So was that was that scripted? It surely it was. It seemed scripted. I'm going to say it was definitely scripted. So you have the revival bad-mouthing in kayfabe, the WWE, and saying they're going to make a change, and the WWE doesn't care about the tag team vision. All the reasons that people have given that the revival is going to leave WWE, why would they write that in kayfabe if all this were true and they really were leaving? So the only thing I can think of when they cut this promo is I thought, well, they must be signing new contracts, and they're going to get a huge push. That's the only thing I can think of because yeah, me too. I was convinced that they were going to AEW and I really do think that was the case. I really do. And then I think that they probably got a bunch more money and maybe they were promised, Hey guys, we're going to give you the titles. We're going to make your, you important. You'll go down as one of the greatest tag teams in WWE history, like the heart foundation or the road warriors like you're going to be remembered, and that's the only thing that I can figure out. Yeah, me, me as well. I, I I didn't ever really have a, a burning desire for the revival to come in AEW. I love the revival. I like I like them. I don't think AEW needs any more good tag teams. I think it's already saturated enough right now. Okay. So so I I wasn't you know begging for them to come or anything, and everyone was uh was was saying you know they're gonna do it. They're gonna go to AEW. I never really believed it because I thought just like Randy Orton, they're going to be and, and this time they were actually teamed with Randy Orton. Just like Randy Orton, they're going to be using this to get more money. 
And after this promo, I'm like you, I think I'm convinced they're staying because it doesn't make any sense for them to write this promo in kayfabe from WWE writers if they're going to AEW because that's just going to look bad for WWE. Yeah, I totally agree. It's a weird situation, and if they do wind up leaving in the next few months, we're going to look back at this and go, what in the world was happening backstage in that creative room where they're like, yeah, let's uh, let's let's let you air your grievances on TV here, and uh, maybe you won't uh, you won't you won't go to the competition there. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, stranger things have happened. Well, yeah, it's true. So, Anyways. yeah, the, during they're coming this promo, and then you hear like this noise, and then the cameraman turns to see Lacey Evans beating up Sasha Banks and Bailey. So Lacey and Bailey are fighting. Sasha Banks is sitting there holding her leg. And uh, this is the second week in a row we're supposed to get Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans. And we don't. And then so, like, the, these refs or security or someone comes, breaks it up. Whatever. So we get a recap of what's going on with Mandy and Otis. And so Mandy and Sonya Deville are backstage. And the long and short of it is... Sonya asks Mandy if she can get Otis to come ringside for her. And Mandy's like, why? I'm going to be there. And Sonya's like, oh, I, I see why, you know, you, you are, you're doing this with Otis. And I understand because he can be valuable. And I just want to make sure he's out there. Will you ask him? And she's like, okay, I, I guess. And then this is cool. Because this reminds me, if, if I want to... Just that little small thing might have been the greatest thing on WWE this week that wasn't Rey Mysterio and Andrade, just because this is a slow burn. And much like Adam Page and Kenny Omega, which we're going to talk about later, this was something that is being hinted at. It's like Manny Rose is slowly, is she turning face? We don't know. Sonya's saying, hey, I know that you're actually a bad person. and Really, that's what she's saying, and I know you're using him. And then Manny's like, actually, I, I think I kind of like him. But they're not saying it. They're inferring it. And I love that in wrestling. I love this slow burn. And this ridiculously weird storyline is one of my favorite things in all of WWE right now. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I really just wish SmackDown was the Otis show at this point. Yeah, I would watch two hours of Otis every week. Absolutely. It'd be great. Speaking of not great, this was the weirdest thing Seriously, the weirdest, most confusing thing I have ever seen on WWE, and let me explain to you why. So Bailey and Sasha Banks are in the trainer's room. Banks says, oh, my ankle's hurt. I guess I can't go again. So the second week in a row where Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans was announced, it gets canceled. Bailey's angering. She yells that Lacey Evans is going to, she's going to turn Lacey Evans into a stay at home mom, which is weird. And then this guy, and yes, Marks, I know who this guy is, but for, as a casual fan, this guy comes that no one has ever seen before. Never. No one know knows who this guy He's just a guy. Now, he's a bald dude. He's an indie wrestler, but as far as we know, on SmackDown, he's a dude, and he just shows up. And he's like, Sasha, I can't believe this is the second week in a row. You're not going to be able to be in this match. Lacey will be in a match, and tonight it'll be against you, Bailey. And Bailey's like, well, we've got to make sure it's non-title. She doesn't deserve a shot at my title. And this random dude is like, whatever, makes sense. 
And I'm sitting here going, what, 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 why? Who is this guy? There's no general manager. Why is he saying what they need to do? Who is this joker? Now, I know because I'm a nerd that this is Adam Pierce, who wrestled for a long time on the indies. But from a non-nerd perspective, which a lot of WWE fans are, there's just this random dude making a match for no reason. And it makes no sense. It's the weirdest thing, the dumbest thing, and it just, blow, it just blows my mind. Like, I don't understand when they were writing... I know I'm ranting on this. I don't understand when they were in the writer's room, and they're like, ah, oh, I guess Sasha's not going to be able to wrestle Lacey. How can we get ourselves out of this hole? And it's like, I don't know. Just throw a guy in there and tell him that Bailey's going to have to wrestle. Like, what power does this guy have? It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's so stupid. I'm so sick of stupidity. And it's, ugh. oh my gosh. Did it bother you even nearly that bad? No, not nearly that bad. <laughs> uh, I will say, if they're going to have a random bald dude walk in, it would have been great if it would have said, hey, this is Adam from what culture? And you're going to be wrestling Lacey Evans tonight. <laughs> I would have I would have preferred that. Oh man, I love what culture. Love what culture. But yeah, like I just don't, I don't understand. It didn't make any sense from a kayfabe standpoint. It didn't. You're right. So, ugh, ugh, so stupid. So we got Bailey versus Lacey, and guess what? Lacey won because champions don't win matches when the title's not on the line, and then the the challenger always wins a non-title match. So welcome to WWE. If you are new, this is what happens. I'm going over the match. It was fine. So then we're backstage. Sheamus and Shorty G are there. I think Shorty G is being interviewed. Sheamus comes up. He makes a short joke. And Shorty G clobbers this guy. But let me tell you what happened before Shorty G clobbered him. He said, yeah, I'm short. I know it. No big deal. I'm okay with what I am. And do you know what set Shorty G off? When Sheamus called him a little fella. Because he's Irish, so he says fella. And I'm like, but he just said that he was okay with this. So now, Shorty G, Chad Gable, is a hypocrite. And, and he's short. And he's short. short he's a short hypocrite. And again, not that big of a deal. But it's just like if you have a whole room of writers, it just blows my mind that someone didn't point that out. I'm not convinced that they do. I don't know. Shorty G attacks Seamus. And the best part of this was as Shorty G was slowly walking away and Seamus was getting up, he just holds his hand up and kind of waves goodbye without turning around. And he looked great. And then Seamus is going crazy. He's tripping. He's throwing over tables. But since this is WWE, the invisible barrier that Cody spoke about is there. And he cannot chase after Chad Gable. We go backstage again because we go to commercial. Kayla's back there with Braun Strowman, and Braun says, yeah, I'm going to be in the Royal Rumble because that's all you have to do to be in it, apparently. And then he says, I want to talk about Shinsuke. And then no matter what Nakamura and Sami Zayn does, I want my shot. I don't care when it is, but I deserve it. He storms off. Elias is in the ring with his guitar. And just... Elias, he says he has this wonderful song called Walking in Greensboro, because that's where they are. And before he can say anything, because Elias, as a good guy or a bad guy, cannot sing. And Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke come out. 
And Zane's like, I hate to interrupt you, but I'm the great liberator and I do need to speak on Braun Strowman. I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to give you an answer right now. And our answer is no. And Sammy rips Braun Strowman and they all get in the ring. They beat up Elias. Braun Strowman comes out and makes a save. And I wanted, this was a nothing segment, but boy, that crowd was into it. I mean, they cheered Braun Strowman like he was the friggin' man. And I think a lot of that has to do with Sami Zayn putting them down. He's such a good heel. It was just, nothing happened. Whatever. Sonny Deville versus Alexa Bliss. The important part is uh, Manny Rose was up on the top rope. I do not know why. That is a stupid thing to do. And then Nikki Cross pushes her off to Otis, who catches her. And Sonny Deville is just flabbergasted by this. And she's like, why is this fat man holding my best friend? And gets rolled up and Alexa Bliss wins. And then Mandy Rose gets in the ring. She's apologizing. Otis is dancing. We go backstage with Bobbert Roode. And he's with Corbett and Ziggler. They hype him up. They tell him that he's a monster. And then we move on and we talk about the strap match. And then Robert Roode versus Roman Reigns in the, for a tables match in the main event. And you know this was a tables match and Baron Corbin is involved at all. It's not going to go over well. But it didn't matter. Because even though Corbin and Ziggler attacked Roman Reigns and helped Bobbert Roode, the Usos came out and helped Roman. And they throw Bobbert to the table. Roman says... I know everyone wants to know what the stipulation is going to be. And you know what? That baseball field the Royal Rumble is going to be at. Awful big. I'm going to beat you up all over that arena. Minute Maid Park. That's it. It's going to be a false Count Anywhere match. Crowd goes nuts. And as he says that, I'm thinking, wait a minute. We just had two people interfere because there was no disqualification in this match. And now you want to pick a match that people can interfere. Roman Reigns, if you were smart, you would have picked a cage match. Because people can't interfere in cage matches. But he's a face. Faces can't be smart in WWE. I just... I, and it was fine. I don't care. It was just... It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know why they made this big deal about him making the announcement... And all this, and and made this whole match for the stipulation, and he was like, "Oh, it just falls count anywhere. That's good, I guess." I mean, if he, if you would have said it was going to be a dog food match or something like that, like people thought it was going to be, I could see the the announcing of the stipulation and all that, but just a just a no DQ. I'm very glad it's not a dog food match. Uh, me too. That would have been awful, but I could see why WWE would be hyping that because they think that's a good thing. Yeah. So I'm gonna grade this real quick. I'm not gonna go in depth on this. This show was fine. And fine is a good way to put it. But the dumb things were just so dumb. And there was nothing on this show. Nothing that made me go, wow. The Usos and the Revival, good. Nothing on this show. Where I'm like, man, that was just really solid. There were so many things on this show that made me go, what, what, why, what, why, 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 
Why? So for that, this SmackDown, and I'm going to be generous, gets a C-. And I think that's probably a worse C- than I generally would give it. But I just... It just wasn't a miserably bad show. It was just stupid and not interesting. So there you go. C-, below average. I'm being nice not giving it a D, even though I kind of want to. But whatever. We got the bad show out of the way, so let's get on to some good stuff. Yes, that's right. We're not even AEW yet, and we're going to talk about good stuff. And this is this has been a couple weeks now where we've had good stuff on Monday Night Raw, and I'm excited about it. Now, if you know me, you know there's going to be some things on any WWE show that's not named NXT where I'm like, why is this happening? Then I put my fingers below my eyes and I pull down my eyelids and I'm like, I can't watch this. And I pull my eyelids over my eyes because it's so dumb. And I try to close my ears with my arms. I don't know, I'm getting into weird stuff here. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. And Monday Night Raw opens with the inner circle. Excuse me, sorry. Sorry, that's the, that's the wrong show. It's uh, Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, Akam, and Razar. It's his outer circle. The outer circle, yeah. <laughs> and so he takes the mic. He thanks the fans for making him what he is today. If it wasn't for the WWE fans, Seth Rollins would not be who he is today. He introduces Buddy Murphy, and they give a big old hug. And then people on Twitter were like, is this a dig at the best friends? No, it's a hug. Relax. Yeah, people can hug. Yeah, that's the thing that happens. And so Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah, also has a Jesus shirt on, by the way. So take for that what you will. Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe come out. And then they say, you know, yeah, the big shows, he's hurt. He's not here today. He really wanted to be here. But And Seth Rollins says, whoa, guys, we don't have to fight. Then he realizes, wait a minute, it's four on two. Maybe we can fight. So he challenges them. And then Kevin and Samoa Joe, who are faces in the WWE, instead of going, okay, we're brave, and take a four on two beat down, they say, actually, we're, we're not alone. And the Viking Raiders come out. Now, as you know, I love Kevin Owens, I love Samoa Joe, and I love the Viking Raiders, the NXT version. But, I'm sitting here and I'm like, why? Why are the Viking Raiders here? Why do they care? None of this matters. None of this matters to them. They do not care about Seth Rollins, AOP, and Buddy Murphy. And less so, they care about Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. I felt the same way. I was, you know... I don't have a whole lot of experience with the Viking Raiders. I never watched NXT when they were in NXT. I, uh, but when they, when they said they had somebody else, I was like, all right, who's are, who are they going to get now? Obviously, Big Show's out for a while. Um, who, who are they going to bring in in the mix and, and make a good fit for them versus this outer circle group? And <laughs> then you have the Viking Raiders come out, and they're like, what? But, but why? They don't, they don't fit with yeah. Jack and Samoa Joe. You know, they're not good meshes of character. I mean, it's like putting it's like putting the Dark Order with the Young Bucks. Yeah, in AEW terms, it just doesn't make sense. I don't Not get it. And I, I, we obviously see why they put him with him a little later in the show, but 
I didn't like it. I, I think that they're talented from what I saw this episode, but I don't want to, I don't, I don't like them with, with Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. Yeah, I agree. So they basically get in the ring. They throw everybody out, finishers, yada, yada. Faces stand tall, heels run away. Now, what do we get for the first match on Monday Night Raw is Rey Mysterio versus Andrade in a ladder match. Now, Micah, you watched Monday Night Raw on Hulu. I do. How long was this match? This match on Hulu was six minutes long. Yes. And before so, the show, I was I was explaining to Matthew, I was like, man. So I watched Monday Night Raw. I sat down. I was excited. I was like, man, I'm going to watch Monday Night Raw. I've got two of my favorite things. i got Rey Mysterio and i got ladder matches. You can't get much better than that in the WWE. I sit down. I watch Raw. I get through the Viking Raiders and all that. And I'm like, all right, here's Rey Mysterio. And then nothing happened. We went to a commercial break. We came back, and, well, there's ladders all in the ring. What's what's going on now? Oh, oh, and it, oh, okay, well, the match is over. Six minutes. And then I was yeah. talking to Matthew, and I was like, man, that was terrible. What what happened? All of it was in commercial break or something. He's like, no, this match was 20 minutes long. <laughs> and I feel robbed of the personal <laughs> experience. I'm going to go back and watch this match on USA. I'm going to find some way to watch it on USA completely legally. And, uh... And yeah, I'm going to enjoy this, this, this entire match. And uh, I'm not going to watch this on Hulu anymore. Uh, they, they've lost me with that. I mean, they could have cut Lana and Rusev. They could have cut, you know, any any amount of things. But to cut Rey Mysterio on a ladder match for a title? Yep. It's just cruel. Really it's dumb. Cruel. It's really dumb. And dumb. Really dumb. Let me tell you about this match since you didn't get to see it. Yeah, please. It's friggin' awesome. It was so good. It lasted over 20 minutes. And yes, there were a couple botches. If you've been on Twitter, you saw people go, wow, they really botched this. But you know what? They did some of the craziest, most ridiculous things I have seen in WWE in a long time. Now, in in AEW, it's kind of par for the course. But in WWE, you don't see that much stuff anymore. And there was one spot where they really screwed it up. And Rey Mysterio was falling on his back from off the ladder to land on Andrade. And he was going to do a Hurricane Rana. Andrade didn't catch him, so he just like landed on his back, and then Andrade like flips over, and it was like the worst looking Hurricane Rana I've ever seen in it, my life. It looked like to me that he botched almost a Canadian Destroyer, but man, it's just because yeah. I'm so attuned to watching AEW. Yeah, and there, there were, I, I did get to see that they they put that on Hulu. <laughs> there were a couple couple spots that were botched, but I don't care, man. These guys put their bodies in the line. Forty something year old, I think forty two year old Rey Mysterio. I mean, I cannot believe that someone who has been going for 20, almost 25 years, I believe it is now, he's just, I mean, when you talk about the greatest in-ring performers of all time, and we're going to do a roundtable about that, I think it's unfair not to talk about Rey Mysterio because he literally changed the game. TNA happened because of Rey Mysterio. All Elite Wrestling happened because of Rey Mysterio. The Young Bucks wouldn't exist. The Lucha Brothers wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Rey Mysterio. So whether you like flippy crap wrestling or not, it's all thanks to Rey Mysterio. Now, he has a, a different style, especially in the WWE, where he wrestles a little slower and tells a little bit of a story. But my gosh, when he came along, he literally changed the game. 
And I, I hope people, when he retires, I hope he really gets his due. But this match was awesome. Rey Mysterio was going to win. Zelina Vega climbs to the top of the ladder and she sits there and she's pointing at him like, there's no way you're getting this title. And what I would have done if I was Rey Mysterio was I would have pushed her off. And that's exactly what should have happened because she's sitting there preventing him from getting the title. It's in a match. And yes, I get that she's a woman. Okay. But if your whole goal is to win a match, and this woman is purposely stopping you because she thinks you can't hit her. Just shove her, man. Shove Especially her and grab the title. Last week. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like all freaking out, even though he didn't do anything. He basically, Andrade threw him into her. Like he just makes him look like a doofus. Yeah. I would have loved if he would have just pushed her off. I mean, that would have made, Rey Mysterio is probably my favorite of all time. But I think I would like buy a new poster to hang on my wall if he would have pushed her off the ring. Yeah, and he had this mean streak when he was wrestling Brock Lesnar, and I'm like, my gosh, can he keep that? Like, he just destroyed Andrade, you know, was it, I believe, last week or was it two weeks ago? And after the backstage segment where Andrade ripped his mask off. Yeah, it was like, yeah, he's just, I I don't know. I just, I I would have liked something to happen. Either way, this match. And he would have pushed her off the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I just, I don't know. That was a different time in wrestling, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, after this match, which was awesome, finishes, Andrade brings the title in. He's celebrating with Zelina Vega. And then there's a guy who comes ringside with a ray mask. And the reason he's there is because Zelina Vega's pulling up, you know, the the padding on the outside, saying that they're going to DDT Ray onto the concrete floor. But the guy's in a ray mask. Dude, compared to Ray, is huge. I'm like, oh, it's Humberto Carrillo. And he takes off the mask. And it's Humberto Carrillo. And Carrillo attacks Andrade. He and Zelina run away. And then he checks on his hero, Ray Mysterio. We go to commercial. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, man, Dominic has gotten in really good shape. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Humberto it's Carrillo. It's Dimples. Dimples. <laughs> and then so Alistair Black beats an enhancement talent. We never talk about these, but I do want to say Alistair Black is awesome. He's just so cool. Like, just strap a rocket to him, push him to the main event. He's so great. So after the match, the next segment we get is Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. They come out. Paul Heyman, who is terrific almost always, explains what the Royal Rumble is. And I I, I mean, I guess, I guess, but I just, who doesn't know what the Royal Rumble is at this point? But whatever. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap on that because you know what maybe people don't know, and Paul Heyman puts over the fact that there's no one worthy to challenge Brock Lesnar, and Ricochet comes out, and Paul Heyman's like you better not get in the ring like don't cross this line like you used to do when you were kids you know, and then Ricochet gets in the ring, and then Brock Lesnar walks past him as Paul Heyman exits, then turns around and kicks him in the balls. That's exactly what happened. And walks away. And uh, actually, Ricochet was cutting a promo saying Lesnar was scared. Lesnar picks up the mic and stares at Ricochet, who is bent over on his side, holding his testicles. And Brock Lesnar says, not scared. Drops the mic. He sounds like Eleven from Stranger Things. And he walks off. So, so I've seen... I've obviously know Brock Lesnar. I've watched him since I was little. My wife doesn't have a whole lot of uh, exposure to Brock Lesnar. 
And so we're we're watching. This is one of the first times she's watched Raw with me. And we're watching, and she says, she says, why doesn't he talk for himself? I said, because he sounds like an, a middle schooler. I said, he's <laughs> like a middle school bully, and he's not good on the mic. So they have Paul Heyman for that. That's what he does. She's like, okay. So we go through, and then he says, not scared. And she goes, okay, now I understand. Because <laughs> he sounds like a child. He does, does he? Like if he had a I deep never voice. I that to his face, but no, yeah. he could put on a voice better than that. Yep. Nope. He doesn't need to. He's a monster. I guess so. <laughs> so Charlie's backstage with Randy. Randy puts over Drew and says he's great, but he's not on par with Randy because Randy can strike out of nowhere. Randy has the three most dangerous letters in all of sports entertainment. And the fans in the arena can finish it for me. And they say, R-K-O. Then we get Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. And what do you think is going to happen when you have someone that's an up-and-comer and then someone else who's a star? What's going to happen? Well, the matches are going to finish because it's Raw, right? Yep, that's right. So AJ Styles and the OC come in and attack them both, but they fight them off. They fight off that dastardly OC. And then Drew McIntyre staring at Randy, and Randy pats Drew on the chest and says that he's a tough SOB. And then Drew McIntyre turns his back to Randy. Randy waits. Drew turns around. RKO. Randy leaves, and Drew McIntyre grabs the microphone and says, Okay, yep, nope, you got me. All right, yep, that was all me. That was my fault. That was on me. I'm never trusting you again, and I'm tossing you out of the Royal Rumble. And then Orton's music hits again. And there you go. We go backstage, Charlotte Flair, and this was weird. And I loved it. Let me tell you why. Charlie asked Charlotte how confident she is heading into the Royal Rumble. And Charlotte says, hey, I'm always confident. I'm prepared to face anyone. And then Becky Lynch from off camera, like, like brings her face into the screen. And she's got like this goofy grin on her face. And it looks like Charlotte is trying to prevent laughing. And as she walks away, I thought that was not supposed to happen. Becky Lynch just got away with one there. She is just messing with her real-life best friend. And I love those little things. I really enjoyed it. So Flair goes, as I was saying, and then she talks about the Royal Rumble, and she says that she came in second last year, but this year she's going to win. And there you go. We go to Becky Lynch versus Kyrie Sane next. And this match should have just been so good. We all know Becky Lynch is great, right? Whether or not you like her in-ring style, she is one of the most over-characters in all of WWE. Kyrie Sane is incredible. But man, if you follow me on Twitter, you will notice that I said, does it seem that Kyrie is just not into this match at all? And it was like she was bored. And I was really disappointed. The match should have been a lot better, and it just wasn't. Asuka's up inside the ring, sitting on the top turnbuckle, as Becky and Kyrie are fighting on the ground in submission holds. The referee is dumb and doesn't see her, see her. He finally realizes she's there, but she ignores him. She's screaming the whole time, by the way. And so, Becky Lynch eventually gets to disarm her on Kyrie Sane. Wins the match. Of course, Asuka immediately attacks Becky. They hit, Asuka hits her with a shining wizard. And the Kabuki Warriors 
head to the back. What'd you think? Yeah, it was, I agree with you. I don't think Kyra Sane was in it. I, uh, I don't feel like she's really been in it since that match she had with, uh, Charlotte. Yeah. Where she got injured. I mean, it's, I don't think she's been totally invested in the WWE since then. I think, I I don't, I want to say that their relationship is, is torn or anything, but I can see why it would be. Yeah. I don't handle very well. And, and I, I think we've seen a difference in her since then. And hopefully yeah. it's not anything to do with the injury or the concussion yeah. she suffered. But I, I think it's all just she just doesn't care at the moment. Yeah, which is disappointing. Shinsuke is kind of going through the same thing. The rumors are that Kairi Sane and Io Shirai might be leaving WWE to go back to Japan. Um, and, like, I just hope it doesn't happen. But at the same time, I hope it does happen. Io Shirai is the most entertaining thing on NXT to me right now. I absolutely love her. Kyrie saying so talented, but they're wasting her. Just like they, just like WWE wastes everybody. I mean, what, what are you gonna do? You can name five or six people in all of WWE that you're like, man, they're really getting this person right. And I just, yeah, whatever. That's a story for another time. Seth Rollins, Buddy Murphy, and AOP are backstage. Seth Rollins says, "Ah, we challenge the Viking Raiders tonight." And I'm like, okay, we're finally getting that AOP versus Viking Raiders match. Nope, for the tag titles. Viking Raiders versus Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Not the tag team. Not the tag team. The two random singles wrestlers. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Whatever. It's stupid. Sarah's backstage. She's with the Kabuki Warriors. They speak Japanese. Asuka says Becky won't be ready for Asuka. And they both laugh weird and walk off. And even though it sounds like I'm complaining about this, it was great. They're just... they're talented and even though i can't understand a freaking word they're saying it was just so good they're so passionate their laughs are funny they're just entertaining oscar and Kyrie, i hated them at first i hated them with Paige, and i still kind of hate that these are two of the most talented singles wrestlers in all the company and they're thrown in this ragtag tag team but they're making the most of it it's fine yeah, they, they can throw a more convincing promo in japanese than brandy rose can in english so yes that is true than most, most wrestlers most can. Of, at least AEW's roster. Yeah. Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy versus the Viking Raiders. I hated this match. I'm not going to go into it. Seth and Buddy won. It was stupid. The Viking Raiders... Okay, let me... Um, okay. 60-second recap of the Viking Raiders' entire WWE roster. Or WWE run, okay? They came in as the War Raiders. They were formerly known as War Machine on the Indies. They destroyed everyone on NXT... They put on some of the best tag team matches that you will ever, ever see. This includes Japan. This includes AEW. This includes old school uh, WCW, old school WWF. I mean, their matches were just insane. One of their, their, I think it was their last NXT match, and they had it versus Aleister Black and Ricochet. And that was one of my favorite tag team matches of all time. So good. And then they get come to WWE. And they're just wrestling jobber after jobber after jobber after Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins after jobber. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And they're like, oh, we're going to wrestle for the titles now. Cool. They wrestle for the titles and they win. Then they wrestle jobber after jobber after jobber. They lose the OC in Saudi Arabia. They wrestle jobber after jobber. They beat the OC. They lose the titles. Nothing happened on their main roster run. Nothing nothing and they've been around for months they've been tag team champions 
and they are nobodies. And the WWE has a tendency of making special wrestlers nobodies. I said it last week about Ricochet, which is heartbreaking because he's one of the most talented individuals in all of professional wrestling. He's one of the most athletic individuals in all of professional sports, in all of entertainment. The dude's insane. And on Monday Night Raw, he's just a guy. And that's what they've officially done with the Viking Raiders now. And because they don't care about the tag team division, they're probably just going to go away. And they'll just be guys, and they'll job to the teams that need a job, and they'll disappear for weeks at a time. Really stupid. I hated this. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, isn't it just dumb for a, an established tag team to lose to two random singles wrestlers? What the frack? I mean, it just makes no sense. I'm glad AEW doesn't do a title change this way. It would just yeah, make no too. sense. Yeah. Me too. So, next, we have the Monday After the Weekend update, which is on YouTube, and you can watch it. And it is the least favorite thing. It's officially my least favorite thing I've seen on Raw in a long time. And I have been watching Lana and Bobby Lashley and Rusev on my TV for the last month, the month and a half. This was so bad. And even though Montez Ford is one of the most charismatic, entertaining individuals on planet Earth, it was so stupid. Go watch it if you want your brain to melt. I, I would recommend you don't. You'll you'll come out dumber for having watched it. How bad was it? I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit that I'm not a big fan of, of the Weekend Updates on SNL, but it was just so, uh, so bad. I can't even think of the words. It was just so miserably unentertaining. I can't. It was so. Oh, it wasn't even, well, this is kind of funny because they're stupid and it's not. No, it was bad writing. And it just blows my mind how people, this goes on a TV show that's got 2 million viewers every week. What's yeah, happening? That's what I was going to say. Like, what do they have? 2.5 million viewers this week? They beat out, like, uh, I think a really big NBA game. I think it was Lakers and Celtics this week. Gosh. And, and, this is what you give your viewers. You have 2.5 million captive audience members watching your show, and you say, yeah, that's good. Put that on TV. It was so bad. You could just run commercials in that span, and I would be more entertained than I was in that segment. <laughs> like, oh, I like the Geico commercials. Yeah, that's good. Let's watch that instead. It was, Seriously. It was so stupid. So stupid. It's, it's the worst. It's, it's the worst segment I've seen, uh, honestly, probably of all time. Yeah. It was miserable. They had another weekend update, which was very bad, but this one was worse. I mean, it was so It bad. was long. It was so long. It was so long. It was longer than the Rey Mysterio Andrade match on Hulu. <laughs> oh, gosh. we got to move on from this before my brain explodes. Matt Hardy versus Eric Rowan. Matt Hardy is on his way out. He's here to job to the new stars. Um, I love Matt Hardy. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time and one of my favorite tag teams of all time. I always preferred Matt to Jeff which I know everyone thinks I'm crazy for. And until Broken Matt Hardy, I think basically everybody preferred Jeff. But uh, love Matt Hardy. He's so talented. He put over Eric Rowan. Eric tried to you know, open the cage, and it bit him. So he like takes the cage and slams it onto the steps like seven times. This thing that he's saying how much he loves and wouldn't let anyone look at it, he just changed on a dime. Now he... Claude, Matt Hardy, and he won. This is so freaking stupid. Just so dumb. I'm getting angry talking about this now. I was talking about how much I enjoyed Raw, and my gosh, like I forgot how bad the last 45 minutes of this show was. 
so stupid. I love I love this match. You know why? Because it's pushing him towards us. It's reeling him in towards the glory of AEW. Join <laughs> us, Matt Hardy. Join he, the Dark Order. If he's the Dark Order leader, I will mark. I really will. Brother Matt Hardy is the leader of the Dark Order. Ugh, so good. So Charlie's backstage. I'm sorry, Sarah's backstage. She's like, what are you going to do, Joe and Kevin, now that Buddy Murphy and Seth Rollins have entered the Royal Rumble? And they're like, guess we will too. And it's like shrug the shoulders and they say, well, excuse me. They say, oh, I guess that the Royal Rumble is every man for himself. So we can't be friends there. Ha ha ha. We've seen this segment a thousand times. Charlie's backstage with Mojo Raleigh. She asks about the title win and asks what's next. And he says, I'm going to be a fighting champion. I'm not going to run. I'm not a wuss. The Singh brothers come up. They try to roll him up. He beats the crap out of the Singh brothers. And Mojo Raleigh, while I think it's fair to say, he's not the most talented guy in the world. He deserves better than what he's been given. And I hope he gets something from this. I really do. And as much as I love R-Truth, who might be the most entertaining thing on, on all of WWE, it's it's time. It's time to give him a little bit of a break. Lana and Bobby Lashley versus Liv Morgan and Rusev. This match lasted three and a half minutes and Rusev got pinned. And that's all that you need to know. What is happening? Why? 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 Are we doing this? And just thinking back on Raw, and I, I believe it or not, guys, believe it or not, you can ask Micah. He's my brother. He grew up with me. Every second he's been alive, I've been there. I'm an optimistic person. And I know it's hard to believe when I'm talking about WWE. But I, what in the world are they doing with this? What is happening? If you were to say, oh, well, if the Rey Mysterio match was six minutes long and it was actually 20 minutes, then this three and a half minute Rusev segment on Hulu, how long was that? And I would say three and a half minutes. It, it was nothing. And Rusev is a huge dark because he just got distracted again and he got speared and covered. One, two, three. What's happening? What is happening? Where did they go from that? I don't know. He's a they dark just, now. They keep losing. What's the point of this feud if you're just going to have the good guy keep losing? The, oh, wait. It's the same as Rey Mysterio versus Brock Lesnar. That's what WWE does. It's so they stupid. They make the bullies win. The bullies so always stupid. win. Bobby Lashley stole his woman, and uh, now he's beat him twice. Rusev is a chump, and then I, I'm, I'm done with Rusev now as a face. And I said it with The Miz. You guys, the longtime listeners, when The Miz lost to Shane in that cage match, I'm like, The Miz is done. There's nothing he can do to come back from this as a face. And then he, again, he couldn't defend his father's armor, uh, honor. Then now he couldn't defend his wife and daughter against Bray Wyatt. Not the fiend. Dorky Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt. Couldn't beat him. So I, I yeah. just, the Rusev is done. And I don't care what he does next week. He can be entertaining. He can be menacing. But he, unless he comes out and beats Bobby Lashley in 30 seconds, he, he's done. I don't care. I can't buy in to face Rusev anymore. It's stupid. Turn him heel again. Let him be heel Rusev day. I don't care if the crowd cheers him. Let him be a heel. Let him be entertaining. Move on. I I also have to say, what I don't get about this match and the layout of the entire show, you had two title matches in this show, okay? One of them, obviously, I didn't get to experience the fullness of it. It was a ladder match. The other one was a last-minute tag tag title match okay and you can argue that wwe doesn't care about their titles that much you know that's not as important as as the lana lashley storyline 
but why did this main event Raw when you could have had a ladder match with Rey Mysterio or a tag match with Seth Rollins, two of your biggest stars? And it was three it's minutes long. Three minutes. A three-minute match. We just saw last week the same match, essentially, except for this is a mixed tag, but it's still the storyline against Rusev and, and Lashley. It was three minutes. Nothing happened. It didn't push the story. And the the two tag matches, or the two title matches, one being the tag titles that changed hands, and the other being a ladder match for the U.S. title, were just thrown in. That, that blows my mind. I was so excited to tell you guys how great Raw was, because in my memory, I remember enjoying it. And I got so angry just talking about this last segment. It was like literally like I'm boiling here. Because like your was head was so melting dumb. throughout the entire segment. It was just so dumb. Oh, man. I, if I were to grade this show, and because the opening match was so incredible. I mean, it was just so good. You've got to go back and watch it. I'm sorry that you missed a good portion of it and you got it spoiled for you. But it was just so so good. The show gets a C plus from me. I was expecting to give it a lot better grade. And what did it start out as? <laughs> it started out as an A plus. That was one of the best matches. Even with the botches, guys. Even with the botches. I was okay with it. Because these guys are just so talented. The stuff they got through was so good. They were working so fast. And I just ugh. Like I'm still, I'm, I'm angry. I'm literally like, like after, after I watched Hell in a Cell, I couldn't go to sleep because I was so frustrated. And I have that feeling right now in my body, in my brain, like I'm just so agitated. I need to, I need to breathe. So let's talk about AEW. And I'm gonna mute myself, and I'm just gonna take a let's, drink of water and relax. Let's bring it down. Let's hit the nice breeze of Nassau. Yeah. yeah let's, let's, let's enjoy the ocean breeze and Tony Schiavone with his Hawaiian shirt. And I'm gonna go do some DDP yeah. yoga. Justin Roberts with his Gilligan's Island, uh, you know, uh, cosplay on. You know, let's, let's take it back. You know, this week we have AEW's first episode of Dynamite outside of the U.S. of A. Yes, that's right. We have it in Nassau, Bahamas on the cruise of Jericho. Uh, this episode had a lot of firsts. This is the first pre-recorded show. The first episode from the Jericho cruise. Obviously the first one out of the outside of the United States. And it's the first time that JR has broadcasted without his hat in my entire lifetime. So a lot of firsts going on tonight. Uh, I know we just had the Bash of the Beach last week, and uh, we commented how much that felt like WWE, WCW. But man, this episode was Bash of the Beach. This episode felt like old school WCW Bash of the Beach. You were outside at night, wind in their hair, a super hot, very intimate like concert-style crowd. And I am hyped to talk about this episode so let's get into it. Let's do it. Well, I'm we here. Have... Yes, yeah, sorry. Hi, guys. I'm still here. You you are here. Okay. You, you feeling better? You calm down? I'm uh, I'm doing good. I uh, I have me a, a, a non-alcoholic sangria in my hand, okay. and I am uh, relaxed. I've got my swim trunks on. I have me a, a, a hot pink because it's it's an '80s Bash to the Beach thing. I have mm-hmm. a hot pink tank top on. I have some sunscreen under my eyes and on my nose, just like in the TV shows. And I'm relaxed. I'm sitting here gonna gonna watch some uh, Chris Jericho cruise AEW. I'm excited. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do it. We open up with Hangman Page and Kenny Omega versus SCU for the tag titles. That's right. The tag titles didn't main event this show either, but that's fine. It's a great opening segment. Uh, so 
lately I've been raving how much I enjoy Kenny and Hangman together and might even enjoy them more than what you'd call actual tag teams in AEW. I mean, the chemistry they have together is fantastic. The balance of their characters, so enjoyable to watch. And tonight was not any different. Uh, I'll say, if it were not for the Escalera de la Muerte, this is my favorite tag match AEW has put on. You may say, well, man, AEW is all about tag wrestling. You've got the Young Bucks. You've got the Lucha Brothers. I loved this match. I really did. It was it was that good. Still not ahead of the Escalera de la Muerte, but I will say this is the best TV tag match we've seen, non-pay-per-view. Everybody has their opinion, but that's mine, and it's correct. Uh, <laughs> this match, really, the entire time, I mean, I can't say any other match has ever had me on the edge of my seat like this, t- this match. I mean, sure, I thought for sure of it. Like, almost, I was almost sure SCU was going to get this win. It was going to be well fought, you know, but Kenny and Hangman were going to lose because of some kind of miscommunication, and uh, that would push Hangman's turn towards the heel. But that's not what happened. I mean, we got so much story out of this match, and it was just good old-fashioned wrestling. I mean, it was it was insane. the The entire time I was, I was there was like two or three times within the match. I said to my wife, "Okay, this match is over. Well fought, Kenny and Hangman. You know, you you had a good match, but it's it's over. This is it." But no, they either kicked out or the pin got broken up. You know, we saw the familiar spot where Hangman accidentally hits Omega with a buckshot lariat, and I thought, "Okay, well that's it. That's going to be the push to to get him towards the heel." And it's going to be used to further the story. And that's a good ending. Okay. One, two, nope, nope. Kicks out. Wrong again. Well, then you have SCU hitting Kenny with the SCU later. And Sky's got Hangman grappled up near the ropes. This has to be it. No. Kenny, or I'm sorry, Hangman throws Sky off of him into Kenny, which was a great spot. I love that. He throws him into Kenny and Kazarian. Breaks up the pin, and they're just bum-fuzzled by this. He then drags Kenny to his corner, gets the tag for himself, throws Sky outside the ring, hits Kazarian with a discus lariat, flips outside with the buckshot lariat to Sky, gets back inside the ring with the buckshot lariat, hits Kazarian, and at this point, we're about 21 minutes into this match. Very long TV match. And... Hangman pins Kazarian for the one, two, and three, and that cruise crowd broke out. We have new tag team champions, another first, the first time in AEW history a belt has changed hands. And Hangman basically did it single-handedly, it was at least toward so the end perfect. of the match. It was so perfect. perfect. I think 10 years when we're looking back at Hangman Page's career— and we want to see the match that made him a star, we'll look back at this match. Yeah. Not the match with Jericho for the title the first time. Not the great matches he's had with Pac. This is the moment that Hangman became a star, in my opinion. Yeah. It was was insane. Love this match. So afterwards, uh, after the match, Kenny's dazed in his corner, kind of confused, trying to figure out what's going on, and then it hits him, hey, we just won. I mean, he got knocked out with an SCU later. He would have been out for a 20 count. And Hangman's there, honestly shocked himself. 
and he stands center stage, happier than I've ever seen him, holds his championship high. And I actually looked at my wife and I said, man, I guess the heel turn isn't going to happen then. Surely this is all he needs to prove himself to be a part of the elite. Yeah. Then the Young Bucks come in. They rush in to congratulate their friends, Kenny and Hangman. And immediately when Hangman sees them, he drops his belt and he drops his happiness. I mean, he sh- he he just his face just completely changes. Yep. He shares to be what appear to be a couple crosswords with them. He rushes out of the ring, grabs some crowd beer as he does. Of course and he, he does. crowd surfs out of the ringside area like a cowboy. It was so that great. Was so good. I think that was during commercial break. Was that during commercial break on TNT? Did you watch on TNT? No, I watched on Fight TV. I do want to okay. say that when he came out, like his lower third uh, above his name said was hoping this was going to be a booze cruise and I laughed out loud. Oh yeah, he his his lower thirds are always fantastic. Yeah. Uh but yeah, this him crowd surfing out was perfect. I thought this entire match was some of the best storytelling I've seen in wrestling. The the idea of Hangman being carried away from his tag team partner and the former members, uh, his former fellow members of the elite, then staring down the ramp with all this distance between him and Kenny yeah. and the Bucks. I mean, I could go on all night about this match, really. And if I had to rate matches individually, this match gets an A+. This was the match of the week. It was even better than the Andrade Mysterio ladder match. Just so good. Man, match of the year so far. Yeah. Only got 23 days, but... It's going to be hard to beat it, in my opinion. Yeah. Hopefully uh, hopefully they will. But uh, loved every second of this match. I've watched this match, I think, three times now. Still love it. Uh, anyways, we'll move on so we won't be here all night. After this match, we have Priscilla Kelly's singles debut against uh, Britt Baker, DMD. And I hadn't heard of Priscilla Kelly before this. I know she did the uh, the Women's Casino Battle Royale, I think. But She's Darby Allen's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, um, I did some reading on her. Apparently, she's got a very interesting personal background, and she's a bit of a controversial wrestler. She's weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but apparently, she's a bit of a female Joey Ryan. Yeah, the tampon spot is the weird, yeah. the one everyone knows about. And if you don't yeah. know what it is, guys, we're not going over it. Google Priscilla Kelly tampon. It'll come up. Don't worry. We don't want to. We don't want to do that. And I will say, you know, her boyfriend was here, but it's a shame that Britt Baker's boyfriend couldn't make it, but. He's dead, though, isn't he? He's dead. Yeah, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. So, R.I.P. Adam Cole. Uh, anyways, yeah, about the match. I don't really have a lot to say about the match, really. I, 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 I did think it was one of Britt Baker's better matches. I'm glad they're pushing her over to a heel because I think it suits her better in the ring and on the mic. Um, Priscilla Kelly seemed like she would be a decent addition to the women's roster. Uh, obviously, this wasn't a jobber match where she was just fed to Britt Baker. But uh, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see her sign. In the near future, especially with our relationship to Darby Allen. Yeah. But I wasn't super impressed by either one of them. It was an okay match. Uh, the match finished with Britt Baker putting uh, Priscilla Kelly into a lockjaw uh, near the ropes. And uh, Kelly's reaching for the ropes, about to get a rope break. But Baker uses her feet to bounce off the bottom rope and get center of the ring. And then Priscilla Kelly taps. I really did like that spot. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the finish. I can't say I've seen it. Before I'm sure Eddie's done something like this back in the yeah, day, it's, but this happened seen it a long time, yeah. uh, at least. And I thought it was really interesting to see it uh, in in a Britt Baker match. I thought it added some depth to the match um, that otherwise it would have been a completely mediocre match. But the finish was cool. Yeah. Uh, but what was really interesting to me is after the match, Tony's coming down to the ring to interview Britt. 
Uh, he asked her about the finish and saying how it was kind of questionable. And obviously she took quite a bit of offense to that because she cuts pretty deep with Tony. She says she loves Tony and is very proud of him being in AEW and refers to it as his meal ticket. Because as we all know, before AEW came around, Tony was working at Starbucks as a crappy barista. And man, if you want to get a heel over, this is the way to do it. Yep. Tony is someone loved by everyone. And actually, this is a true story. He did work at Starbucks before AEW came around. And it's not like he was doing it to pay the bills, but he has noted in some podcasts he was doing it for medical insurance for his family. He was doing some commentating for sports on the side, but this is America, and you have to work for medical insurance. It's not something you can just get. Right. Uh, and and this obviously caused the crowd to turn on her and generated tons of heat. Uh, throughout this episode, we experienced, on first viewing, what I thought was poor audio because this is AEW, and their audio team is not very good, obviously. But the crowd was, in fact, chanting F.U. Brit. And since this is a pre-recorded show, they were cutting out the F part of F.U. Brit. Yep. And so they did this through the entire entire promo, really. I mean, they've chanted it for a while, and through the entire show they were chanting uh, obscenities, and they were having to censor it, and that caused a lot of issues. Yeah, a ton. I, I understand why they had to do it for TV's sake, but it made the episode a lot worse than it had to be. Um, and it wasn't just on TNT. I mean, we watched it on Fight TV. So they don't have to be censored. They could have done another recording. And they could have even, I mean, they could have, it's pre-recorded. They could have even cut the crowd mic and just left Brit's mic or the commentator's mic. But no, they ended up just cutting the entire audio like it was live. Yep. Anyways, we'll talk more about that. But she got a lot of heat from the crowd. And in a kind of elitist tone, she was saying she's a role model. She's the hottest girl on the ship. She's smart. And I don't know if you know it, but she's a dentist. Did you, did you know that? She mentioned no, it before? You know, I never, I never did notice. I'm glad she pointed that out. Well, now we know. So we don't have to question what her uh, occupation is. That's good. But, uh, to end the promo, JR cuts her off saying he doesn't want to hear any more of this promo. And they cut to commercial, which was interesting way to end a promo. No, yeah. I can't say I've never seen that before. And uh, one can only hope on the next time Brandy has the mic, they do the same thing. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not. But I like you as a person, Brandy. I know you never listen to this, but <laughs> just give the mic to somebody else. Ugh. All right, moving on. We've got another great tag team match. We have the Jurassic Express, some of my personal favorites, versus the Inner Circle. And as much as I love the Jurassic Express, I will say my favorite thing about this match was Chris Jericho coming out to his own song that he wrote and sang on his cruise as the AEW champion to a crowd of people singing along with him. I mean, that must have been such a surreal moment for him as a person. And honestly, I feel like in kayfabe, that's what Chris Jericho, the character, has always longed for. Yeah. And what he feels he deserved coming into AEW. I loved that moment. I thought it was great. It was, um, even after, Go ahead. It was really... Even Chris Jericho, who in kayfabe is this dastardly heel. And like when Micah says that they were singing with him, it wasn't like they do in NXT. They sing a little bit. Like after the song cut out, they continued to sing. And the smile on this man's face, he could not hide it. He was so, so elated 
at all of his fans because Chris Jericho, as we mentioned about Rey Mysterio earlier, deserves to be in the discussion for the greatest of all time. And people, these guys, these fans eat up anything he does. And he was just so, so happy. So even though he played a dastardly heel, for about five seconds, he was the biggest baby face in the entire ship. Absolutely. And also, you know, throughout the cruise, they're getting to see Fozzie live. They're getting to hear Judas performed by Chris Jericho. So I'm sure that helped in it as well. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was great. The, the crowd for this show was fantastic. I mean, you've got people that are super fans. They're paying thousands of dollars to come see AEW and the stars. So obviously you're going to have a hot crowd. But yeah, it was great. And you could not tell that it's a smaller crowd than you'd normally have in, say, uh, Cleveland or Chicago or wherever they have. I mean, it was it was it was a crazy electric crowd. Oh yeah. I felt really added to the show a lot. Um would have been nice if they wouldn't have shouted obscenities though. But anyways, I'm sure it was great live. Uh let's get into the match. Uh Jericho teases starting out the match against Jungle Boy, but instead he tags in Ortiz to start it out. Uh, Jurassic Express really controlled the match early on. Uh, they had some fantastic three-man tag moves. Uh, the three-man tag move they did where they throw uh, Marco's stunt onto, I think it was Ortiz, and then he, he kind of catches Marco's stunt, and then Jungle Boy pushes Marco's stunt into the DDT. That was that was fantastic. Um, and I'll say, I, I haven't... I think I've completely turned around on Marco's stunt. And to begin with, I didn't understand why he needed to be in Jurassic Express. I loved Luchasaurus. I loved Jungle Boy. And I thought it kind of took away from the three-man group. But, man, I really enjoyed him here tonight and, yeah. and really here lately. Also, he had on a life vest. And if you didn't see this match, I think you need to know that because it was great. Um, the, the Going into the match, the inner circle really – they work over Jungle Boy for a while after they regain control. And then we see the most electrifying dinosaur in all of sports entertainment come in with the hot tag. And he quickly destroys them all with headbutts, choke slams, head kicks, and moonsaults. Because this is a man, I'm sorry, a dinosaur that can do all of those things. Luchasaurus is the best. Luchasaurus for president, 2020. And then we have Hager coming down the ramp. And can I say... I hate Jake Hager. I don't hate him as a character because of a heel. I hate what he does to matches when he comes in because he's ruining a lot of good matches for me. (laughs) He comes in, he punches Luchasaurus, and Luchasaurus, like a dumb dinosaur, he leaves Marco's stunt alone in the ring with the AEW champion. I mean, talk about dumb faces. Stupid. Doesn't make any sense in kayfabe. If he would have interfered, they would have got a DQ and they would have won. But no, he decided just to leave the ring and not get counted out, by the way. Did he even tag in Marco's stunt? This is AEW where the rules don't matter. Anyways, Marco stunts on the top rope. He hits the 450 splash on Jericho. Fantastic 450 splash. Thought for sure we were going to see an upset here, but he only got the two count. Just a near fall. Uh, then he rolls Jericho up with two surprise roll-ups in a row. Still can't get the three count. And Marco Stunt, before the show, actually tweeted at Jericho, I don't know if you saw this, I did. that he was going to beat him with a surprise roll-up, and I thought for sure we were going to see it, but no, they wouldn't go that far. I actually thought Jungle Boy was going to take the win here, because after he drew Jericho, I figured he'd get a surprise roll-up, and he would be like Jericho's next TV challenger, 
before he actually wrestles Moxley? Because you've got to think, if that's going to happen in four to five weeks, mm-hmm. you'd think he'd defend his title before then, right? Yeah, you would think. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they got planned, but kind of like I'm the Scorpio sure. Sky thing where he wrestled him on Dynamite because that Atlanta show is going to be really big. So I, I would think he'd defend his title there. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, to end the match, Jericho hit stunt with one of his many finishers. I think it was the Judas effect this time, the elbow, the spinning elbow. Yeah, it was. Came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, Judas effect out of nowhere. New meme. There you go. Uh, I thought it was a good match. I thought it would have been a great match if not for Hager's interruption. But I feel like I've said that quite a few times now. But they keep doing it. Because they're heels and I guess they got to interrupt things. I don't know. Hager may as well be Vince McMahon in, in AEW because he's doing all these bad finishes for matches. But anyways, we then have MJF versus Joey Janela after that. I've not always been a huge fan of Joey Janela as a wrestler, but after last week's kind of dark match, it wasn't on dark, but it was on their YouTube channel for some reason. Um, Phoenix actually got injured by Joey Janela, but I will say I really enjoyed that match. I was kind of turning around on Joey Janela, but then I saw this match and I was like, okay, that last match was only good because of Ray Phoenix, because I didn't think this was a great match. I thought the heel tactics by MJF throughout the match were good. And as much as I love MJF as a promo guy, I'm not really impressed by him as a wrestler. I haven't been the entire time I've seen him. I know he's really young. He's got a lot of learning to do still. But he's not impressed me. And also, another thing that makes this match not great, Matt actually reminded me before the show, in the middle of the match, it just cuts to commercial. Yeah, but it wasn't like, Oh, we're here and we're going to commercial. No, like there was no fade out. There was, there was no, no talking. Yeah, it just like randomly. It's like if you are, you know, in the middle of a video game and you're in this intense moment and then your dad comes and unplugs your television. You're like, what's happening? That's the exact scene that just happened. They, they're in the middle of the match and then boom, commercial. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And what's happening? And let us point out, this is a pre-taped show. Yeah, unacceptable. That's unaccept- yeah, unacceptable for a pre-taped show. If it's a live show and you've got to have a commercial somewhere, I can accept a flub. I can accept a, a flub every once in a while, but this is this is not live TV. This is a pre-taped show. If you're watching, I don't know, The Walking Dead or something on TV, and in the middle of a fight, a zombie's got somebody down and it just cuts the commercial, no fade out, nothing, you'd be flipping out. Yeah. This is, this is pre-taped television. They had hours to prepare this thing. This is this was this is not okay. Anyways, past that, the match ends. Joey Janela's in control. He was then distracted by Kip Sapien and Penelope Ford that was making out an entrance ramp. Sorry, I just, thing. I just threw up my mouth a little bit. Uh, <laughs> just having Lana and Bobby flashbacks. It's just uh. Uh, gross. So while he's distracted, MJF hits him with the crossroads, which I guess he's now using as his finisher, and he's renamed it to the double cross, which yeah. I think is pretty neat. Yeah. So that's it. He beats Joey Janela after just beating Ray Phoenix last week. So I guess by proxy, MJF is better than Ray Phoenix. Sure. Or maybe just Joey Janela is a bad wrestler and dropped Ray Phoenix on his head and injured him. <laughs> Anyways, uh, now that the match is over, we get to see MJF on the mic, which obviously is where he thrives. 
he cuts a promo on Cody after the match, and he called Cody a poet. And Cody had said last week that he's writing a book, but he reminded Cody that if he's writing a book, MJF is his last chapter. And then we have Cody's music hit. Cody enters the ring, and first of all, I just will say, I've been on a cruise before, and they don't let you bring anything slightly dangerous on a cruise. No irons, no hair dryers, nothing like that. How did they get it approved to have pyro on a ship? Well, it's Chris Jericho's ship. so I guess so. <laughs> if, if Le Champion owns the ship, Le Champion can have pyro. I don't think he actually owns the ship, but I think that he, or I know he doesn't own the ship, but I think that as someone that rented the ship, they were able to do that. I don't I don't think that fans could bring it, but I think that since they're running the show, they were allowed to do that. Yeah. I just thought it was a little, little nitpicky, mainly just because I was aggravated that I couldn't take a hairdryer on my cruise, but whatever. <laughs> That's carnival for you. Uh, he, he, then, uh, he then reminded, MJF then reminded Cody that he can't touch him or else their match is off. Uh, he mocked Cody some more, and then he offered the mic to Cody and then dropped it on the mat. Cody reaches for the mic, and then he kicks it out of the way. And I loved this. I thought it was fantastic heel work. Yep. Basically just trying to bait him into a fight. I loved every second of that. That was fantastic. Uh, Cody gets the mic and says, I can't touch you. And as he's saying this, MJF is creeping out of the ring. And as he's creeping out of the ring, behind him is creeping the Young Bucks. Cody then says, I can't touch you, but they can. And they hit MJF with a sweet chin music. I mean, no, wait, hold on. A super kick party. That's what we're calling it now. Yeah. yeah. That's what JR said. It was great. Yeah, JR, JR called it a sweet tin music. Uh, yeah, JR's old. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, then we get the best spot of the night. Better than the first match. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was cool. It was cool. They dragged him through the crowd, and they did what everyone's been begging him online to do. And yes, they threw MJF into the swimming pool. Full WCW. And as much as I didn't care for the match, I will say that this segment was overall a major win because we need more swimming pools in wrestling. Yeah, it was very entertaining, wasn't it? Like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I feel like I should hate this, but I just don't because MGF makes me hate his guts and anything that embarrasses him. And, like, why would and he's telling that he can't swim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why would you get embarrassed for being tossed in a pool? Well, you know, because he can't swim. So it was, you know, <laughs> it was great. I also love that in kayfabe, all these people are hearing him say he can't swim, and they're just letting him drown because he's MJF and they hate him. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, we have a break, and after that we have Shivani, Tony Shivani, that is, interviewing a Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page after their big win. They are each enjoying their own beverages, Page with a beer and Omega with a nice tea, which I thought was hilarious because Kenny Omega, as many of you may know, does not drink alcohol. As him and the Young Bucks say, they do not do alcohol. Uh, Omega starts off the interview by saying he's thrilled to be tag champions with his bet. I mean, one of his best friends. I don't know if you caught that. I thought that yeah. was very, very masterclass. Tony then asked Paige how he felt. And Paige said that he vowed to kick SCU's butt, and he did. And as he's speaking, full heel Tony Schiavone cuts him <laughs> off mid sentence. <laughs> And directs the question at Omega, and Hangman's just like, uh, what? okay. <laughs> Poor Hangman, man. Yeah. When yeah. he turns heel, 
everybody's going to root for him. Yeah. <laughs> this is, we know why. We get it's it. Because the world has done this millennial cowboy wrong. <laughs> he, he, so Tony, Tony's talking to Kenya now, apparently. And as Kenny is, is saying whatever he's saying, I don't even remember what it was, the Bucks come up, and you can see it in Hangman's face. He's not pleased. Uh, and Paige said that he's really surprised that they won the titles before the Young Bucks did. And then he walks off. So obviously Hangman is offended by the Bucks seemingly trying to steal his spotlight. I mean, they came in the ring after they won the titles. They're coming to interrupt the interview now. Obviously he's upset at Tony for cutting him off. He feels like, yeah, he just won these titles, but still he's he's getting pushed aside. And I have to say, I think Hangman may be one of the best actors in wrestling today. He did a great uh, job. In this segment and in the match, the emotion and the nuance he's putting off without saying anything is just a masterclass in acting in wrestling. And I know I may be sounding like a Hangman market at this point, but man, I'm high on him after this episode. Oh, yeah. And I'm high on the story. I mean, there's so many places they could take this, so many different results, and I'm really excited to see where this storyline goes. So this is, in my opinion, the greatest story happening in wrestling right now. Because, as I mentioned with Otis and Mandy, to a significantly lesser extent than this, this was just such proper storytelling. It happened in the ring when Kenny was out. Hangman beat them both by himself, yet Kenny Omega, being the bigger star was the one that, you know, stood in the ring tall, holding his belt up, even though he did base. I don't want to say he did nothing, but at the end of the match, he did nothing. He got cut off. Hangman Page got cut off by Tony Schiavone. Kenny Omega wasn't focused on the belts as much. He's focusing on Pac. The Young Bucks come in, and they're stealing their stealing his thunder. It, it, was, it was just so good. And it's not Hangman going full hill. It's just Hangman being upset. And you know what? He has every right to be. This It's so good. And I'm glad that they won the titles because I think that can actually make it go a little farther. I think what will probably happen is they will uh, uh, hold the titles till uh, for about a month or two. They'll wrestle the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks will win the titles. And then Kenny Omega will turn. I mean, I'm sorry. Hangman Page will turn full heel on Kenny Omega. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of different scenarios where this could go out. And honestly, they're all good. You could even have hangman eliciting his relationship with the young bucks and coming back together and then kenny turning heel i would like that i mean i know kenny's a great face right now and he stands to be the face of the company in the near future but there's so many things they could do and they would all be good and i say that and as i'm saying it i see the fiend in hell in a cell in my mind i know there's there's always a bad way to do it but WWE hasn't had anything miserably bad yet. They've got things that haven't worked, and they're working on fixing them. The Dark Order wasn't working, and now it's getting better. The Nightmare Collective wasn't really working, and hopefully they're turning it around because last week they lost, this week they weren't on the show at all, and hopefully they're working on repackaging them. Britt Baker, as the biggest face in the, the female division, wasn't working. So they're turning her heel and, and hopefully making her more interesting. So I I have high hopes for AEW. And until they do something obnoxiously stupid, I'm just going to ride that train. Yeah, I feel like I've just been in a bad relationship for a really long time. And I've got to learn to really trust this new relationship that I'm in. And <laughs> trust that 
you know, if they take me on a date, I'm not going to McDonald's and being disappointed when there's a hair in my food. <laughs> that's what happened with AEW and Hell in a Cell. Yeah. But we'll we'll move on from that. We'll yep. go on to the main event of the evening, which wasn't a title match, but that's okay because it's the number one contenders match between two of the biggest stars in AEW. To uh, start out the last segment, Jericho joins in on the commentary team for the uh, match which is always welcome in my opinion. I think Jericho is very good on commentary. I always enjoy him. He's good at everything. What is he not good at? I mean, my gosh, the dude is a freaking rock star. It's true. I mean, literally, he's literally a, a rock star. Yeah. Literally a rock star. He has a cruise that he gets to sing at and be a wrestler at, and I want to be Chris Jericho when I grow up. I know. <laughs> so to open up this next match, uh, we see something we may never see in wrestling again which is a cruise ship passing behind very close to the ring. I think this was during commercial break, but this elicits an F that boat chant by the crowd. Again, having to be censored. I mean, they even got Moxley to join in. He flips the boat off, which I thought was hilarious. It's so good. And it would have been very good if it wasn't censored because it just ruined the moment for me. Yeah. I didn't know what they were saying until afterwards. And I heard people that were live at the show. Uh, the crowd then chants the other boat that our boat's better which I would have to agree because the other boat doesn't have John Moxley drunken, drunkenly singing Sweet Caroline right. on one of the karaoke bars because that happens on the Jericho Cruise, and I need to go to one of these things. That sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah, maybe we have to do this next year. I've signed up for the pre-sale. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll talk about the match. Uh, obviously, Moxley has the injured eye coming in with the head wrap and all that. Which for some reason didn't stay seem to stay on. I don't know if they tested that on the match. I don't know if that was intentional, but it, it was. I don't think it was supposed to come off, and it came off quite a few times. And uh, I thought it was funny. Jericho actually noted that he doesn't really know what happened to Moxley's eye, but it looks terrible. <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, what did what? Um, before I get into it, what did you think of this match? Um, I think this match was really really good. I think that I was expecting more. Of it, so I, 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 it was great. It was a great match, but I think they were kind of limited to the venue. Kind of limited everyone because you couldn't really have any spots where you jumped out of the ring. And I'm so used to that with AEW. So they did fight out in the crowd a little bit, and it was good. But I don't know. I would say it was a solid match, but it didn't blow me away. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's not my opinion, but I see it's a valid opinion. Okay, I. First of all, talking about the limited venue, I think that's why I love the tag match so much. This yeah. is the only AEW show I think we've got zero Tope Suicidas. Zero Canadian Destroyers to that remark. This was old school wrestling the entire match because you can't do the flippity doo stuff. Yeah. You don't have any room to flippity do. I mean, it just doesn't work. You can't jump out the ring if you don't have any outside of the ring. You had some work outside the ring, but that leads into my problems with this match. I didn't like this match. Really? And I'll tell you why. Okay. I didn't like this match because it was not a false count anywhere match. It was not a no DQ match. In kayfabe, this was just a regular old match for the number one contender. And it should have ended in about a minute and a half. Because they stayed out of that ring <laughs> for two solid minutes. Yeah, they did. And I know that AEW says that things like this are up to the ref. And Jericho and JR even reiterated that... We saw them outside the ring for a good few minutes and, 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 and all that, but it's up to the referee's discretion. They're glad they're not ending the match. But it just ruins it for me. 
you're trying to sell me this is a real sport. This is something that's real, like UFC. They're trying to follow the win-loss ratios and all that. Follow the rules. You made the rules. If you don't like the rules, change them. But you have to establish what they are. I just, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't think that either performance from Moxley and Pack was as good as it could have been or as good as they put on in the past. But that's really what threw it away from me. I mean, you even see Moxley hitting Pack over the head with beers. That's a foreign object. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is going to continue. They're not going to DQ him. But what keeps Moxley from picking up a pool chair and beating Pack over the head? Right. What about a knife? What about a taser? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I know they want to put on a good show, but I feel like this just ruins the immersion for me. And I don't want to be one of those people that says, you know, oh, wrestling has to look real because obviously one of my favorite wrestlers is a dinosaur. That's not what it's about. But if you're going to set the rules, you have to follow the rules. And they've gotten better about that, especially in the tag matches. But... Why didn't they just make this a false count anywhere match and not worry about it? Yeah. They didn't have to use chairs. They didn't have to use tables. Oh, that's all they had to do. A few words would have saved this match for me. Still wouldn't have been a great match. I don't think it was a great match, even if that weren't involved. It was an okay match. Um, maybe it was just because it followed the the fantastic, one of the best ever matches of AEW history earlier in the show. But really, I mean... Moxley and Darby was a better match. Moxley and uh, Omega, all of those were better matches. The first Moxley pack was better too. Pack, I mean, the first Moxley pack and 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 pack and Hangman were better matches. They both had better matches. I just I didn't love it. So okay. to set up the finish, uh, Moxley ends up breaking out of the Brutalizer with a rope break. After they both slowly get their feet, Moxley hits Pack with the Dirty Deeds. Stomps around for a bit and hits him again with the paradigm shift. He gets the three count. Moxley wins. And as I was saying earlier about Hangman conveying emotion through his face, I thought Jericho was great after Moxley won. Uh, He obviously wants to appear cocky in kayfabe, but you can tell in his face he is afraid to face big boss Moxley. Yeah, He's standing there. The head wrap is off. It's just straight on eye patch Moxley. I can't wait to see Jericho versus Moxley. I know it's going to be a great match because I know that match is going to tell a fantastic story. And I think that's what this match really lacked for me. I think they didn't even, they didn't even really delve into the, the eye issue. I mean, they mentioned it a couple times on commentary, but I don't know. I think the match could have been done better. Okay. Overall, great show. It had arguably the best TV tag matches I've ever, I've ever seen. Uh, it had a great venue, made the entire show feel very unique, very fresh. And I don't have really a couple complaints. You know, the censoring and the main event issue, the one issue in the middle of the Janela fight, uh, the Janela MJF match. But we also got a pool spot, so what the heck? I'll give it an A minus. I think this match was, this, this episode was so close to being the best episode of AEW of all time. But it, it was just, there was just a few things the censoring. My issue with the main event, but it was a great show. I loved it. I still really enjoyed it. I wanted you f- don't want you to think I walked away from this uh, episode begrudgingly or feeling worse having saw it like I did with SmackDown and Raw this week. But 
it, what aggravates me is it was so close to perfection, but they just missed the mark just a little bit. What do you think? I agree with you. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Watching it on a fight TV, instead of the commercials, they like recapped all the cities they were going to be in, and then they showed the boat for a long time. And that was a little over overdone for me. Like It lasted so long. And for something that was edited and pre-taped, I felt like something more could have happened. And one thing you, you didn't talk about is there was a little Jungle Boy recap, and it was like an interview with, I think it was Tony, and uh, for right. the six-man tag match. And it was really well done. And it made me very happy just for the sheer fact that, you know, we've been saying for a long time that we want to know who these characters are and uh, made exactly that's exactly what we needed. And so I thought this show was good. Um, I wouldn't say it was the best impact we've the best impact, sorry, the best dynamite that we've seen, but I think it's it was, probably the best impact we've seen. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd say it was a really solid show, though. I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I guess if I were to rate it on an AEW scale, I probably would have gave it a B plus. That opening match was one of the best TV matches I've ever seen. It was so, so good. And the rest of the show I thought was was good or or very good, but I'm not sure any of the rest of the show was great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But we got MJF in a pool, so that bumps it up for me. That's good. The minus that I gave it. So we've gone through Raw, SmackDown, and AEW. And we're going to continue doing that, but we're going to have a little bit of a change. The reason Kyle's not here, we told you at the beginning of the show, Kyle is actually out playing soccer. We're going to start recording on a different night. So instead of having shows on Tuesdays and Fridays, we'll be having shows from now on on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And we might change back. This might be temporary. But our weekend review show will be on Wednesday. And then on Saturday morning will be our hodgepodge, fantasy booker, roundtable, whatever we decide we want to do. However, before that happens, as you're listening now, before the Royal Rumble this Sunday, we will have a preview show out. And we will have a separate review show out specifically for it. And yes, we are very excited. As much as I give the WWE crap, my favorite wrestling night of the year is the Royal Rumble. Uh, Longtime listeners know I love Battle Royal matches. And the Royal Rumble is my favorite match type in the world. Um, I'm a little disappointed that AEW can't really do it because they can't really you know, use that. So they use their... Yeah, whatever it's called with the... The, the Casino Battle yeah, Royale. Yeah, Casino Battle Royale. It's fine. It's okay. But the, the Royal Rumble is just so good. You get the pop when someone comes out. You get surprise entrances. I'm just I'm really excited. And now they have a women's rumble, so I get to watch two in one night. It's great. So we're gonna have a Royal Rumble preview. We'll share predictions. We will share who we think we're gonna win. When I say predictions, because those both sound like the same thing, we're gonna share predictions on people that we think might be in the match. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We haven't reviewed or previewed a pay-per-view in a while, so should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I don't know if you've actually... Have you done a pay-per-view with us before? Pay-per-view show? I don't think I have. Was yeah. I on the all-out pay-per-view review for I, AEW? I don't think so. I don't think you I were. Think I, I can't remember. No, I, definitely, I definitely was because I didn't have a good enough mic then. Yep. That makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, we'll have that up in a couple days, so make sure you, you listen. It will be up before, obviously, the Royal Rumble happens, So, and then we will post the Royal Rumble review show a few days after that. 
So thank you so much for hanging out with us, guys. We appreciate you. We hope you have a wonderful day. If you want to follow us all, you can follow us at Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wrestle Life Matt on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm not just skipping over Micah. He just doesn't like to share his Instagram. So Follow me at Wrestle Life Radio. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's where you can find Micah. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. And we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>